0: Welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange, formerly the She Yearns Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Cherry Strange. In case you're unaware, today is my birthday. I'll have you know I've been lavished with attention and festivities this year. It is a big one and my people have helped me feel special. It's reminded me of that sensation of being picked or selected, designated as the favorite in the class. You know, sort of that teacher's pet thing, the favorite one. I was never that one. I don't know about you. Yet, I wanted to hold that distinction. There's something inside that longs to be favored seen as special, delighted in. It may even be a yearning God places in us as a need he plans to fill with himself. Take Stephen's speech in Acts, for example. Right in the middle, we find in Acts 7, our fathers in turn brought it, which means the tabernacle, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God. And then another example that I thought you would recognize is from Luke when it talks about this young girl who's basically a nobody we've never heard of her before from Nowheresville named Mary when the angel meets her to let her know she's gonna have a baby by the power of the Holy Spirit (laughs) and it says the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored the Lord is with you. How is it that these found favor with God? Are they just special, like the one teacher's pet in the classroom with whom the rest of us could not compete? Or is it altogether something different? That's sort of the question. How do we find favor with the Lord? Well, I want to go to one other example and kind of flesh it out in the Old Testament because it really does point to our New Testament condition. So I want to go to Genesis chapter 6 It's going to sound kind of doomsy at first, but we're going to get there. So have patience. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor. It actually means that Noah found grace. That's what it says. Noah found grace. And this is the first time grace is introduced into the Bible. We don't want to miss how God does it. It's very clever. The word for grace here uses the same letters in the original language for Noah, but it's in reverse. So if you were to write Noah in reverse, it would be grace in this original language. This idea of grace is key for this concept of finding favor. And we could stop right here because it sort of answers our question. The reality is that Noah did not do anything to find favor. He was simply a recipient of his name by decision of the God of the universe, Noah found grace. I don't want to stop there. I want us to consider some other things that were happening in the situation. I want to consider the condition in which he found the grace. It says that every intention of the thoughts of man's heart or his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually is like every day, the state of the soul, what's lying beneath it. It was all feelings, all thoughts, moral character, all of it continually evil all the time. Early in Genesis, we see a new day sort of taking place. You have Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel. And then, yeah, that whole situation, then they have another son named Seth. And after the birth of Seth, people on the earth begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And we then we see Enoch walk with God until God takes him away so God has made himself known among the people but they have not chosen obedience complete depravity run amok is what is happening at this point in time note also that God is not absent he's not taking a break and then coming back over to take a look and lo and behold oh my goodness what a mess now he's got to fix it that's not really what the language is conveying If you read the Bible in its entirety, what you find is a page-turning, seamless story of redemption all the way through, and we get glimpses of it all the way through the Old Testament until it comes to fruition with Jesus. Currently, God is going to bring judgment on the wickedness that is happening here. He's about to use rain and flooding to wash away the sin and badness across the earth but in that current there is one who finds favor with God Noah grace in reverse this is how we find favor too. the same grace is now extended to you and to me by the name and power of Jesus and this is just a picture of it through the name of Jesus you find favor in the presence of God and by his work you discover grace there's nothing else you can do It's by grace alone. But there are some other things that we can learn from Noah that set him apart beyond his name. It's not how he found grace, but there are some things that I think we can take away. Next we read in Genesis six, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. There's a lot in that one simple verse. Understand his generation was horrible. It tells us in the next few verses, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Noah was blameless in his generation. Looking at the situation from this angle, it's as if we're getting the close-up behind-the-scenes past version. The writer knows God never takes his eyes off of his creation, but this language denotes a special introspection into what's been created, God saw it. He saw all of it, and he wants to make sure that we understand. God is aware of everything in the closets, all the things under the bed, in the garbage can, that nothing is hidden from God. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, wrecked, ruined, destroyed all of it. But God needs Noah to understand this also. He needs Noah to see it and to feel the weight of it too. Noah is living in the midst of this mess, making different choices, living differently every single day over and over again in the midst of depravity. Now we know he's not a perfect person, but he is living differently as a whole where all relationships around him are just garbage. And the violence, we are told, was out of control. We don't know why Noah stood out from his culture in his generation, except God had purpose for this man. Please hear this. God remains in the business of setting individuals apart for kingdom purposes, to be different, to go against the grain of everything around them, to stand out in the generation in which you live. Your placement in your job, your school, your neighborhood, your city, church, your local Walmart, it's not by accident or means for you to blend into society, but the opposite. You are set apart to be different, to look different, to make different choices and operate in a way that honors God rather than bows to societal norms. How can we do this? What did Noah do? Well, we find in the other part of that verse Noah walked with God. What is said of Noah is similar to that of Enoch who had come before him. In chapter 5, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Walking with God in terms of the language use meant the person lived righteously unlike his neighbors with his lips as a prophet preaching of righteousness and judgment and with his life. So he walked the walk and he talked the talk. What I love about this aspect of Noah, where it says that Noah walked with God, is that there is history here. He likely knew the stories of Enoch. These held a believable quality to him. Enoch's testimony remained alluring to draw this man to seek God when no one else bothered to walk in his ways, to experience what Enoch had been experiencing and he wanted to experience it for himself. Enoch's story Mattered For how else would Noah have known the possibilities of the relationship, the joys, the boundlessness of God's concern for human beings on earth enough to just take him home? Walking with God made all the difference. And your story, made known by your lips and evidenced through your life, like Noah, like Enoch, matters. Your story, like Noah's, could change the course of an entire generation or beyond. Turns out God's solution to the corruption problem was judgment by flood and this is where we get that and God said to Noah I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them behold I will destroy them with the earth make yourself an ark of gopher wood And he gives some details. This is how you are to make it. And he tells them specifically. For behold, verse 17. I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. In which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. As well as all the animals and every kind of food. And you likely know the details of that. Here are some things worth noting. The ark was really big. <laughs> if you ever get the opportunity to go to the replica that I believe is in Kentucky, don't hesitate. It is amazing. But the size is overwhelming. Those were detailed and time-consuming, somewhat impossible instructions that the Lord gave him. How did he know what certain animals ate? How was he supposed to preserve all the food for that long? For that many animals and his family? It couldn't just be an empty shell with some grass, you know, with the animals shoved inside. And this is not Evan Almighty where supplies just began showing up and he was able to get the project done in a matter of weeks. Most estimate that it took about 100 years to complete. Yet, Noah was obedient even when it was costly, slow, and painful. There will be times when God asks you and ask me, to do objectives that will be costly. The whole endeavor might shortchange you and it will likely not be free. It may take longer than we thought and it's probably going to be arduous in some way or another. We find that Noah was obedient in spite of all the difficulties that were bound to come through heckling and ridicule of onlookers, the lack of friendships because no one else bothered to get on the boat. Loneliness, discouragement, Through it all, he pushed. This is a picture of what you and I need to do, even when it's more difficult than we imagined and not what we thought we signed up for. And the cost seems too great. Stay the course because a half-finished ark or a boat with not enough food or only female animals or a thousand different shortcuts that could have been taken or left undone would have been disastrous. Noah was not only obedient, he was obedient to the finish. Noah did all this, all the hard stuff with the details, all the work that took, you know, all those years. He did all that God commanded. And we find that in verse 22 of chapter 6. He did all that God commanded him. This is the expectation. Anyone can start a project. It only matters how you finish. Sometimes the big picture of our own life exceeds our time and space on this planet our carbon imprint may not be that impressive but our spiritual imprint can be this is what we see here being obedient to the finish is critical so let me ask you what has been left undone in your life has God asked you to work towards something to complete a goal to move out to trust him in an area and you've started and moved in the right direction but that project, whatever it is, that movement is sitting in the corner or just an idea in your head or somewhat out of sight, undone, not moving, still needs a lot of work. I can think of two to three major things in my own life that I know he's told me to do that they're not finished yet, if they fit right here in this category. so. I am encouraged by this message. Noah did all that God commanded him. What do you need to do for this to be said about you? Before we leave Noah on the boat, let's look at two other elements that will help us along the way. Over the adventure with the rain and the waters being released and then receding, God was driving it all, not Noah, from shutting the door to telling Noah when it was time to leave the ark. This man waited on God faithfully Patiently. It says in chapter eight, verse fifteen, then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. And then in verse eighteen, so Noah went out, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creepy thing, every bird, everything that was moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Noah waited on God. Maybe it's time to wait on God to open doors or to shut them, to help move you in the right direction or determine your focus. Waiting well requires us to relinquish all of that control and frustration. I can't even imagine what it was like on that ark with those few people and those animals and no way off and no sure future in sight. Scary, somewhat uncertain and definitely unnerving yet Noah did not lose sight of who was driving at all he chose to faithfully wait well just like you can when it was all said and done our guy was not done and it's a lesson I want to make sure we see in verse 20 of the same chapter then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar Noah worshiped for the first time An altar is mentioned in the Bible. And here we find him offering what he had. He holds nothing back. He worships, not knowing how it's all going to fit together or what's going to happen in the future or what his next five moves should be. You and I don't build altars, yet we can do what Noah did. We can worship. We can worship before we see how it's all going to turn out in faith, in gratitude, with both feet in the water, holding nothing back so what does this mean for me today well sometimes we look around and think living our lives in a way that's pleasing or god honoring is like staying on our diets what is the point we have these depressing mental conversations like i am never going to drop this weight ever and we put those jeans that we want to desperately fit into again way back in the deep recesses of the closet then you look around at those who are professing christians in your circle and maybe they don't look like jesus There's hardly any difference between them and your non-Christian friends. And you begin to reflect on your own mistake-ridden life and see, like your efforts to stay healthy or to get weight off, trying to be holy is a pie-in-the-sky type dream. You might as well stop feeling guilty about your actions and quit this whole discipleship thing. It is never going to work. You don't see any way you can look like Jesus any more than you believe you will one day wear those jeans you keep in the back of the closet. Feelings of isolation set in. And this is where most of us lose our way. Take note of Noah. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Remember, there is grace. Noah in reverse. God's plan all along to cover you. You are favored by the Lord. Consider your walk. Are you spending time daily with God? This is how we walk. Are you being obedient? to the lord and what he's asking you to do to completion and in the midst of the journey that it's taking too long that's costing more than you thought maybe not what you thought how well are you waiting his purposes for you are purposeful and eternal and he's worth the wait i pray that you will see the faithfulness of god in your own life just as it was demonstrated through the life of noah before you see how it all works out and know fully which way to go, I hope that you will be able to worship. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier to make sure you get it. Please remember, rate, review, and share the podcast. You're the one that makes the impact. And you never understand the difference your suggestion could make in the life of another person just by recommending and sharing the resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify. It's so easy or put it in your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember, there's more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheearns.com where you're going to find reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange. It is always a pleasure to meet you here.